0: All right, let's go to, let's, let's open in, um, in John 4. You know, it's always interesting, when, when God gives you something new, you know, when we, we pray for, for revival, God gives you seed. You know, and I, I think I told you, Pietrus, but um, a seed, a little small tree, is the same thing as a big tree. An apple tree that's small is an apple tree that is big. Right? And so God will give you something that is small, that is new, and your job is just to look after it. Amen? <laughs> and, and steward it and be faithful. If it gives you revival, it can be small. But if you steward it and you look after it, it's still an apple tree, it's still revival. And so sometimes we look at, well, where's the, where's the apple trees? But if you look, it's small. <laughs> so you must, you must always see it that way. You know, God will always give you a seed. It's very scriptural, God gives seed. Um, and uh, you know what, revival, Sorry, I'm just, now that we're speaking about revival, um, revival is not supposed to come and go. It's supposed to stay. Yeah. If you study church history, you'll beg to differ. If you study the heart of Jesus, you'll understand. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. All right, let's go to John four and we'll, we'll open there and I will try to be a little bit more exciting with my voice and keep it from my side to keep it interesting good let's go to John 4 and we'll read there okay so um, you know the story and Jesus goes to Samaria and he sits by a well right let's pick it up from verse six Jacob's well was there So Jesus, tired as he was from his journey, sat down by the well. It was then about the sixth hour. Presently, a woman of Samaria came along to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. All right, so the Bible did say Jesus did get tired as well. All right. For his disciples had gone off into the town to buy food. Uh, The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you being a Jew ask me a Samaritan and a woman for a drink? For the Jews have nothing to do with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you had only known and had recognized God's gift, who this is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. She said to him, sir, do you, have, do you, have, you have nothing to draw with and, and no drawing bucket and the well is deep. How can you provide living water? Now I want you to see, you have Jacob's well, you have the old, and you have the new. You have the old versus the new, right? So you pick that up. She said, um, verse 12, are you greater and uh, greater than, superior to our ancestor, Jacob, who gave us this well, who used to drink from it himself, and his sons and his cattle also jesus answered all who drink of this water will be thirsty again okay let's try this thing okay uh double tap okay so we have we have jacob we have the old come on ben close old Ah, come on so this is me Working with the new, old, and we have the new. Here we have Jacob. Thank you, thank you. And and here we have. let with Jesus. Okay. Yeah, you have, you have, you've got. The thirsty again. Yeah, you will not thirst. Okay? Whoever drinks of this water that I will give him shall never, no, never be thirsty anymore. But the water that I will give him shall become a spring of water, welling up within him unto eternal life. You just, I, I think I mentioned this before, but Jesus, every, the whole old system was I'm gonna be refreshed from outside in. And Jesus turned the system around and he said, no, you're gonna have it from inside out. And it's gonna come, he turned everything around. And, and we always need to remind ourselves because sometimes we're tempted to drink from an old well. We, we wanna go back to drinking from an old well. We get tired, we get thirsty. And we need to remember that, that Jesus said, no, everything that you need is gonna come from within you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what the Lord wants to, to bring us into, is this new, this new way. He turned the picture upside down, inside out, whatever it looked like, it's not like that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? Amen. Amen? Maybe I must just touch on that. Um, a little bit. Is there some water I'm thirsty? Ironically. <laughs> thank you, thank you. It's all right, uh <laughs> Chirembo's on the thank you, Colin. <laughs> is that is hilarious, <laughs> eh? Hey? There's water, inside of There's water. <laughs> 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 Let me demonstrate. <laughs> I don't think anyone wants to see water come from inside of me. All right. Oh okay so le- let's um, let's just read on let's read on here wait, wait. let's pause there and um i remember uh oh man how many of you guys are happy that 2020 is behind us oh, yeah, yeah thank, thank the lord 2020 no 2020 <laughs> is behind us but uh you know what was incredible about um there was a lot of bad about it but some of the good that came out of it is that everyone had to shut up and sit down for a while. You know, you, you, we had all the all the celeb, celeb preachers. Everybody had to sit down, close. And all of a sudden, it's like it's like going from winter into spring, like we are. Now everyone had to close, and we get to begin again begin it's like all the the noise we were making before we're not making that noise before yeah, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> the, but seriously all the um how do i how do i be more clear um you know what religion let me let me take it from this side. religion um looks like uh, a move of the spirit on the outside Religion looks like a move of the spirit on the outside. So, just because you go to a church where people lay hands on people and they fall, and people are praying in tongues, doesn't mean that it is a move of the spirit. Okay? Doesn't mean. And so, we get to now, thank you very much. <laughs> So, so now when we're going in, we know the Bible speaks about laying on of hands and, you know, and and healing the sick, but now all of that noise that the religious were making had to keep quiet. Now we get to rediscover anew. We go in afresh, amen? All right. Okay, so let's, let's take it from there, okay? Um, he says, okay, you know the story, so we're gonna, we're gonna skip about uh, five husbands. Let's go to t- verse 21. <laughs> Jesus said to a woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Um, you do not know what you are worshiping. We do know what we are worshiping. For after all, salvation comes from the Jews. A time will come. However, and indeed, it is here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking just such a people as um, are His worshipers. God is, a, God is a spirit. Those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. All right, and so, so a time is is here all right shall we read on so here you've got a mountain you will not worship on a mountain or in a temple but this place is called spirit and it's in truth yeah We're going to worship Him in spirit and in truth. truth. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your word. All right. So, let's page on. Oh, wow. Okay. So, let's go to... I'm going to take a a turn here. And we're going to go to John. Uh, John chapter 10. John 10 and... Keep that guy going down. And and this is also what I just feel what God is doing in this season, in this new time, where where things are fresh and stuff are beginning to bud, and we're we're discovering anew what God wants to do in this new time. Okay. So in reference to what I was talking about with um, religion, let's quickly, I'm just gonna read Ezekiel 34 um, and John 10 together. Uh, Verse eight says, as I live, says the Lord God, surely because my flock became prey and my flock became meat to every beast of the field because there was no shepherd, neither did my shepherds search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves. And fed not my flock. Therefore, O oh you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my flock at their hand, and cause them to cease from feeding the flock. Neither shall the shepherds feed themselves any more, for I will deliver my flock from their mouth, that they not be that they may not be meat for them. Amen. So then he says in verse 11, the Lord God, behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out. And let's go to John 10. He says, I assure you most solemnly, I tell you, he who does not enter by the door into the sheepfold, but climbs up another way is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The watchman opens the door for this man, and the sheep listen to his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and brings them out. When he has brought his own sheep outside, he walks on before them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. Oh, I love this, you know? um, Oh, shall we go there? Yes, we should. They will never follow a stranger. but will run away from him because they do not know the voice of a stranger or recognize their call. Jesus used this parable with them, but they did not understand what he was talking about. So Jesus again, I assure you most solemnly, I tell you, I am the door for the sheep. All others who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to and obey them. I am the door. Anyone who enters in through me will be saved. He will come in and he will go out freely and will find pasture. The thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life, enjoy life, and have it in abundance. I am the good shepherd. So on this side, we have the good shepherd. Uh meh. Shepherd. Uh. See if Angus were writing that it would have been perfect. <laughs> and on this side we have uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna embrace the new. And on this side we have a thief. <laughs> okay. On this side there's a thief, on this side there's the good shepherd. And he, he said something that I always like to always, in my sermons, always put in the practical and how, okay? So, um, they will know my voice. It's the new. You know what's really interesting about when Jesus was raised from the dead? The disciples at first didn't recognize him. But they recognized his voice. There was something about his voice. When Mary uh, saw him, she thought he was the gardener until he said, Mary. All right? Uh, When uh, the disciples between Emmaus were walking, they didn't recognize him, but they acknowledged that while he was speaking, their hearts were burning and they were greatly moved as a sign of his presence. So, and that is how, how the Lord wants us to recognize his voice. It's not just information, amen? It's not just the information. He, we're in a time where he, he wants to speak to us, to our hearts, and we can literally experience the voice of the shepherd, amen? So it's not, it's not, um, it's not in, in, in the information. It's like what Annelise was speaking about. It's not in Greek. The shepherd doesn't speak to you in Greek in hebrew or aramaic or afrikaans or whatever uh, you know it's it's not exactly that's like i was just thinking today i mean i i can say jesus i can say Jesu, i can say jesus i can say all of that but i'm speaking a language but i'm communicating in spirit it's from the heart and, to, and the lord will speak to us from his heart to our hearts. That's how I hear the voice of the shepherd. That's why when somebody gets up, a thief from the pulpit can preach and you feel it in your heart. It's a stranger. And that's where he says my sheep will run from strangers. Where someone else opens up the word and you say, oh, my heart is greatly moved and it's burning. It's the voice of the shepherd. Amen? Hey? <laughs> yeah, it's the voice of the shepherd. And so, and so that sign. Um, let me run. Let me let me show you something. Jeremiah three. And I felt this is what the Lord is really sharing today. Jeremiah three, verse um, verse fifteen it says, "I will give you shepherds after my own heart." If, if we understand that now, um, I need to come back to this page. But your typical pyramid scheme in a church would look like here's the, here's the top guy, here's the pastor, and then everybody that comes under, we, we all need to serve this guy. All right? Then there's, so everybody runs around for the pastor, right? Then you got the other one. It looks like this. <laughs> the pastor is here at the bottom. <laughs> the pastor is there at the bottom. And he's and he's running around serving everybody else. Okay, and you got those two you got those two two shape, two two pictures. But um, what it should actually be is like that a pastor that is after, like an arrow. <laughs> okay, after God's, <laughs> yeah, my heart is bad. A pastor taking, taking the whole pyramid scheme, using it as an arrow after his heart, a shepherd after the heart of, of, of God. And so when we as pastors begin to just pursue the heart of, of, of Jesus, we bring a whole flock to him yeah (laughs) amen so that's that's at the end of the day where where we're going um god is going to give pastors shepherds after the heart of jesus amen and a sign of it is it's the same as um john 4 that's actually why i read it um, that's why the next verse says in, in chapter 16, they will not say the ark archi- of the covenant in those days, but I myself will be present amongst them. It's the same time. Jesus will be present amongst the people. His presence will be here. Amen? Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's, that's some, really, some really good stuff. Now, I want to show you in 2 Corinthians I'll go from there, yeah, second Corinthians chapter three this one this one really really set me free. Big time. So 2 Corinthians chapter three, verse nine. I wish that we had had the net translation. I, I love the net Bible lately. It says, for if the service that condemns the ministration of doom had glory, how infinitely more abounding in splendor and glory must be the service that makes righteous now the the net translation says it beautifully it's, it speaks about this the the service or the ministration that produced condemnation versus the ministration that produced righteousness so you have uh, this um this the old and the new and both the old and the new produces something the old produces condemnation the new produces righteousness jacob's well if you jesus said if you drink from this well you're going to get thirsty again he said but if you drink from the the well that i'm going to give you it will bubble up into eternal life. Everything that is old is done away, okay? So this is brilliant, okay? So I'm gonna have a lot of fun teaching this, so enjoy this, okay. All right, verse or oh, verse six. It is he who has qualified us as ministers of the new covenant, not ministers of the letter, for the code kills now we already have an example the thief comes to steal kill and destroy In the context of john 10 he was not making reference to the devil you guys know that okay he was not making reference to the devil is the thief that comes to steal and jesus is the one who comes to give life it's it was people that used uh, the law and that robbed for for personal gain okay But also, we need to realize that, um, yeah. let's read, the old was was to be done away with, to fade. Okay, now, um, now if the dispensation of death (laughs) engraved in letters on stone was inaugurated with such glory and splendor that the Israelites were not able to look steadily at the face of Moses. Okay, so let's do that one face of Moses, of Moses, and you think you've heard this before, you're going to hear it fresh today, he says, um, and we also need to write that this is the ministration of, excuse my handwriting, I was called to be a doctor before I... of death. Okay, we'll get there. All right. It was inaugurated with such glory and splendor that the Israelites were not able to look steadily at the face of Moses because of its brilliance. It was to fade and pass away. Why should not the dispensation of the spirit be be attended with much greater and more splendid glory. For if the service that condemns, okay, uh, had glory, how infinitely more abounding in splendor and glory must the service that makes righteous. Indeed, in view of this fact, what once had splendor, the glory of the law in the face of Moses has come to have no splendor at all because of the overwhelming glory that exceeds and excels the glory of the gospel in the face of Jesus Christ. Okay, so we, we have the face of Jesus here. Okay. All right. Ooh. Already, I'm ahead of myself, and I'm rejoicing. Indeed, in view of this fact, what once had splendor has come to have no splendor at all. We've read that, verse 11. "For, if that which was but passing fading away with splendor, um, how much more must that which remains and is permanent abide in glory and splendor? Since we have such a glorious hope. all right? we speak freely and openly and fearlessly now to all the pastors it's time to speak freely openly and fearlessly okay i'm going to show you why it's time. uh just where are we now okay since we have such glorious hope um we speak very freely and openly and fearlessly so now he says something important we do not act like Moses who put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze upon the finish of the vanishing all right so now so when Moses was ministering the the law he had glory that was beaming from his face okay now the the scripture says that it was so bright that they couldn't gaze properly but they could see it when moses was done speaking to them he put a veil over his face why it was fading fading. not because he was trying to help them see better it was so that they would not see that it was fading And now this is the problem is when we look back at what was glorious, oh, let's go back to the good old days. Let's go back there. And so we, we glorify something that was temporal. If we can only go back to what was, where there is another glory that is supposed to remain, now, what, they, what, what, what Paul is highlighting here is that everybody began to worship and idolize Moses. Yeah, oh, I'm gonna step on toes if I say some stuff. How many, how many, how many, Paul speaks about it in Corinthians as well. He calls them super apostles. He calls them super apostles, major. When, when, because they idolized—I'm going to show you—because they idolized a man, it robbed them from recognizing the real. Okay. Now, Paul, I'm—I'm I'm running ahead of myself, but. Let's quickly read it, okay, so here in the Old, um, he speaks about a veil. Okay. So we don't act like Moses. What does that mean? That means I'm okay with my vulnerabilities. I'm okay with not having it together. I'm okay with disappointing you as a leader. That's what it means. I'm okay with with you not worshiping me. That's what what he's trying to say. I'm completely cool with that. If you didn't call me pastor today, and you called me by my first name, I'm really cool with it. That's what he's trying to get to. Let's go. In fact, their minds were, were, okay, so we don't act like Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze upon the finish of the vanishing. In fact, their minds were grown hard and calloused. For until this present day, when the Old Testament is being read, that same veil lies on their hearts. What veil? The veil that was on the face of Moses lies on the veil Oh, is the veil on their hearts. As long as they are idolizing the law, looking into the law, and listen, I'm also not just speaking about the law itself, because we've got the habit of looking back and making laws. And, uh, and that same veil that prevents them from seeing, well, the same veil over Moses' face is a veil on the heart. Okay, all right, so. this is lacquer. In fact, their minds were grown hard and calloused. They had become dull and lost the power of understanding for until this present day, when the Old Testament is being read, that same veil lies on their hearts, not being lifted to reveal that in Christ, it is made void and done away. Yes, down to this very day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies upon their minds and hearts. But whenever a person turns to the Lord or whenever a person changes his position to get a different vision, amen? The veil is stripped off and taken away. Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty wow okay now paul is comparing himself to moses here because we are ministers of the new he is a minister of the old now he says i'm not going to act like moses okay moses went and looked at okay saw saw the glory that was fading and he began to reflect what he saw He reflected what he saw, and he covered his face, and they didn't see the fading. Paul is saying, what I'm seeing, I'm giving to you, but with no veil. Because I don't want you to see that it's like me. I don't want you to see that what I'm giving is from me. I wanna show you something else. Now, this is, uh, it's not in obviously glorifying the man. Now, um, I know we've read the next verse a 100 times. I want you to see it afresh, okay, new. And we're gonna go to to the King James. It says, but we all with open face, right? Open face, no veil. Okay, open face. Moses took the veil off when he encountered the fading glory. We all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. Now the translators really had a problem with the scripture. Pick up every translation that you can find and look how they battled interpreting that scripture. Was it glass? Was it mirror? Um, Yeah, anyways, do you have a, uh, can you change translations on your phone? Okay. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Look, I want you to quickly see it in the net, in the net Bible, N-E-T. The Passion Translation is also good. Come, like here for me, okay. Uh, That is verse 18. Yeah. Okay, so Moses, when he came down from the mountain, he was shining what he saw. So he was a a mirror, okay? He was like a mirror. He was reflecting what he saw. This one says, and we all with unveiled faces reflecting the glory of the Lord. Puts a different spin on it. Because in one, when we see the word as a mirror, in another, we are just a mirror. Okay, I want you to just get a new perspective, okay? We are reflecting the Lord. Okay, we are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. I have to show you another one from, uh, I saw this in the Passion translation. Uh also puts it beautifully. Hope I'm not yeah, I'm still right. Verse eighteen in the Passion Translation says, We can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces, and with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. This is awesome because it changes the game completely. It changes the game completely. Not that it's a game, but it just changes everything. Changes everything. Now, if I understand like, Moses reflected a glory that was fading. I reflect a glory that remains. And that glory shines through my errors, shines through my failures, and goodness, if you still think you can get it together, quit already. You can't, you can't, you're gonna mess up. And, okay, let's read on, I'll show you. I'll show you. Let's read on. Yeah. Therefore, now this is Paul, the apostle. We do hold and engage in this ministry by the mercy of God. We don't get discouraged or become faint with weariness and exhaustion. We have renounced disgraceful ways we refuse to deal craftily or to adulterate or to handle dishonestly the word of god but we state the truth openly and so we commend ourselves in the sight and the presence of god to every man's conscience but if our gospel is hidden if it is obscured and covered up with a veil that hinders the knowledge of god it's hidden to those who are perishing and obscured, only to those who are spiritually dying and veiled, only to those who are lost. For the God of this world has blinded the unbelievers' minds." The God of this world is Moses. Not because he's a God, but because they made him God. He's not a God. But the act of, whoo this guy, Moses, check his face was shining. You said, Moses said, stone him, what do you say? They, they idolized Moses to the point that he was a God. And their God caused them to, to be blinded. The God of this world has blinded the unbelievers' minds, preventing them from seeing the illuminating light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image and likeness of God. They couldn't see it. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. We don't have a veil over our face. Our God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone on in our hearts. We could just keep on reading. So as to to beam forth, ah, there we go. Reflect, beam forth, the light for the illumination of the knowledge of the majesty and the glory of God as it's revealed in the face of Jesus Christ. So we possess this treasure in frail, Human vessels of earth, so that the grandeur and exceeding greatness of the power may be shown to be from God and not from us. I love this. So he goes on to say, hey Amen, we're hedged in and pressed on on every side. We suffer embarrassments. We are perplexed. Go look up what it means to be perplexed, it means we don't understand everything. We get confused sometimes. Sweet, don't even explain. We know where <laughs> we're unable to find a way out, but we're not driven to despair. We are pursued, persecuted, but not deserted. We're struck down to the ground, but never struck out and destroyed. I oh, mean, you guys got to read the whole thing. You, gotta, you just got to keep reading. So. I don't know, for me, um, the new, the way to the new, I think Johan said it, there's no, no superstars in the new. There's no superstars in the new. God is, I want to just share a dream that I had about a year or so ago, and um, I, I really believe there's a shift in, there's been a big change, uh, especially in pastoring and the hearts, the word God has really been speaking to the hearts. Um, about two years ago, or a year ago, Anya will remind me, I, I had a dream about, um, uh, we, we sleep in the lounge, we crazy people, we sleep in the lounge and um, I dreamed that Jesus came to the, my lounge, picked me up, or woke me up, took me outside, outside, and I stood in the front yard with him. And I was looking to, to the front, and I, I knew Jesus was standing next to me. And when I, when I looked at him, he had shepherd clothing on. He'd like, you know, he looked like what you see in a Christmas movie or something like that He had like shepherd clothes on or and a staff in his right hand. And uh, next thing, he points to the stars, and he shows me two. It's a little weird. And I start, when I see that, I start like bubbling forth like scripture, and I start quoting scripture. And I start speaking about the staff, and I start speaking about the morning star. And at the end of it, I say, Revelation chapter two. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I wake up from the dream. Now I doubt this dream, I'll tell you, I doubt this dream. So I get up, I go sit down, Uh, immediately, the first thing that I did was, as I woke up, I took my Bible and I opened it up on Revelation chapter two. And I'll quickly read what, what I saw. When I read it, you can ask my wife, I was shouting, oh my word, oh my word, everything is there, everything I said was there. Now I can quote scripture, but I can't quote Book of Revelation very well. And I can tell you that I've never quoted that before in my life. And he starts speaking to me, and I read exactly what I quoted in the stream. And I believe he was speaking about the time we were entering, oh, I forgot to, I forgot an important detail in the dream. After, after, he, after I looked at him and after he showed me two, I looked, before I started quoting scripture, I looked down at my clothes and my clothes became the same as his. And I looked in, the, in, in my hand, there was a there was staff in my hand. And then I started, I started quoting the scripture. And uh, let's read it here in Revelation 2. from verse um, 25, hold fast to what you have until I come. He who overcomes and who obeys my commands to the end, I will give him authority and power over the nations. And he will rule them with a scepter of iron as when earthen pots are broken in pieces and his power over them shall be like that which I myself have received from my father. I thought, like, what? He's gonna rule over them with a the rod of iron, the scepter. Okay, that sounds a lot like Psalm two. Let's quickly read Psalm two. This is the still all right? Verse eight, ask of me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth as your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them in pieces like, like potters ware. The same, obviously this is, this is speaking about Jesus. Yeah. And he says, to the, I'm gonna give you what my father gave me, you can ask for nations. Jesus, I'm gonna do it. You can become a pastor. <laughs> you can be a shepherd. You're gonna be a shepherd after my heart. We know Jesus did it. He didn't tolerate the, the, you know, yeah. He didn't, he didn't tell it, tolerate the Pharisees, the whole legal system, but he was a shepherd. He loved his people. And he was saying, "Amen." to the one who overcomes, he says, I'm going to give you the very same thing that my father gave me. And he says, I will give him the morning star. I will give him the morning star. And no, Jesus is the morning star. That is like... That's the new, it's the announcement of a new day. It's the, it's the brand new. I'm gonna give you all the wisdom that you need in this time. Before before it, things happen, you'll know where to go. I'm gonna to speak to you. I'm, I'm ch- he's changing things, okay? He's changing things. Now I want everyone just to, in order for us, you know when we say, Lord, give us the new, well, we won't use the word new normal, huh? The new normal is uh, The new, sometimes we pray for the new, but we want it to look like the old. Because we can't see anything different than what we've seen before. And so when things are new, it's like we get all itchy and scratchy. Like, oh Lord, Lord, where are, you? where are you taking us? But we need to embrace the new. And, and by seeing Jesus, how many sermons do we have to hear about looking away from everything that will distract by looking to Jesus? It's 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 all of us reflecting Christ. Can we get rid of all the man-made gods that we have? All the man-made gods begin to see, begin to see Jesus. Because all the man-made gods are preventing you from entering into the new yeah, yeah they, are, they are the thieves yo i would have loved to go into to 1 corinthians 1 corinthians 13 and all of you i'd love to talk about the whole mirror thing nah it's uh, another time conference number next conference yeah the next new conference <laughs> new 2.0 2. <laughs> all right so come on i want you to think about uh, i want you to let, let's let's take tonight's sermon and let's quickly let's let's capture it let's make it ours quickly okay in at any mo- moment tonight was your heart moved did, did the lord speak to your heart okay that's a sign of his presence That's a sign that the shepherd is near. And will you embrace where he's taking you? Will you reposition yourself from what was and go to the face of Jesus? Because if we're not going back, I don't want to get back. I don't want to build what I had. I don't want to have any of that. I want where I'm going, okay? Yes? yes. Yeah. Amen.